Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode of Working is brought to you by Hiscox Small Business Insurance. Get customized insurance for your business right now. Go to Hiscox.com to learn more and to get a free quote. Welcome to Working, Slate's podcast about what people do all day. I'm Rachel Gross, a writer for Slate who covers science and food. For this week's episode of Working, we're talking with Rabbi Jeffrey Kahn and his wife Stephanie, a former hospital administrator. Together, they've become experts at navigating the murky world of Washington, D.C.'s weed laws as the owners of Tacoma Wellness Center, one of the first medical marijuana dispensaries in the district. And in a Slate Plus Extra, Jeff talks about what it's like to be an ordained rabbi who now dispenses weed as well as wisdom. For the uninitiated, D.C. residents have been cool with medical marijuana since 1998. But due to a series of unfortunate legal hurdles, the first dispensary didn't open its doors until 2013. We're not even going to get into the laws for recreational weed because that's enough for its own podcast. What is your name and what do you do? Um, My name is Rabbi Jeffrey Kahn, and along with my wife and family, I own and operate Tacoma Wellness Center, one of Washington, D.C.'s medical marijuana dispensaries. Can you explain a little more about what the Tacoma Wellness Center is? Sure. It is a medical marijuana dispensary. Um, that's part of the regulated D.C. Uh, medical marijuana program. Um, we serve 1,000 patients. We see about 100 people a day um, after they've gotten a recommendation from their physician and been registered with the Department of Health. This is where they come to purchase their medicine. So you said you run the dispensary with your wife, Stephanie. Uh, So can both of you talk a little bit about a day in the life of running a pot dispensary in D.C.? Absolutely. Um, Well, you know, um, we we start off the day by walking to work. When we decided to, uh, to open the dispensary, the first thing we did was walk around the block 
and see if there was a place that would be around the corner. Um, and so we live a half a block away, so we walk to work, um, which is really different from uh, anything we've ever done before in our lives. Um, and once we get here, we, uh, um, we open the, the gate and then open the door, turn off the alarms, turn on the lights everywhere, and uh, get ready for our, uh, um, our staff who will be arriving in the next couple of minutes. We have uh, three safes that we have to open. Um, and then sort of like a jewelry store, um, everything that's on display um, in the in the dispensary is put away in a safe at night, and all of it has to be taken out in the morning and and put back on display. So uh, um, so we kind of open up so that the rest of the staff can come and get ready for the day. Um, and that's the beginning of what we do. And what time does the store open? We open um, uh, most days at one o'clock. And on Fridays, we open at 11.30 because we close early. So how do you two divide up the duties throughout the day? We have really different responsibilities. Um, I work with the patients more. I do all the scheduling because we have an orientation for um, our new patients, their very first visit. I sell and educate and explain. And I also do a lot of outreach with patients and talk to them on the phone and explain about who we are. And I kind of fill in whatever needs to be done, except for I really do not prepare the medicine. Uh, you said it opens at 1 p.m. and you've taken everything out of the safe and put it on display. So is the next step to prepare? It is. Um, and uh, so uh, that's, as Stephanie said, that's one of my important two jobs. The other one being kind of running the business and keeping us up with best practices and working with our regulators and the government and, and the crazy laws that we have to deal with in order to be able to even have a, a cannabis dispensary. Um, but besides that, I have a very um, focused job as well, packaging medicine. Um, and so we prepare for the day by pre-packaging certain amounts of, uh, of each strain in anticipation of what we think patients will buy during the day because we don't like to prepackage more than we'll need for a very short period of time. Um, and that sort of gives us a head start for the day because when we open, we'll see oftentimes 30 patients in the first hour with complicated orders to fill. So it's good that we have a little bit of a head start. And then throughout the day, we're filling orders. We see a lot of people and we carry a lot of strains and a number of concentrates. And uh, um, an important part of my job ends up being taking large bags of cannabis and, and changing them into smaller bags of cannabis. And what else does preparing them entail? Do you have to keep them fresh in some way? Um, well, we have to be very careful that they're handled as little as possible. So first of all, this is a, a delicate dried plant and people want it in the condition that it's um, that it was dried in and, and so not to be crushed or handled poorly in any way. So we're very careful in how we handle it and, and try and keep handling uh, to a minimum. And then we keep it very, very fresh. So it's all sealed in special containers and then uh, given the light of day and fresh air uh, very rarely. We keep it very fresh and, and, and in top shape. So you've spent a lot of time preparing uh, the medical marijuana and patients are coming in. Um, what does the bulk of your day consist of? Um, well, you know, uh, it, it depends. Um, and so if I'm, if I'm here in the dispensary um, and, and probably at least half the time, if not more than half the time, that's what I'm doing all day. Um, at seven o'clock when we close, then we get, take all the medicine and put it, and gather it all together, put it back in the safe. Um, it takes us 
well, a few hours in the morning to get ready, but we try and do it less than an hour when we're closing. Um, and, uh, and we're all out of here by eight o'clock. Um, and with the security guard, we lock everything up and won't be back till the next morning. What's um, the very so, last thing you do with your day? Um, the very last thing is that we, uh, um, we turn on the alarm, we close the, the doors and lock them and close the gate and lock it. And we all say it was a great day and walk away. <laughs> And why do you put um, all the medical marijuana in a safe and have a security guard? Um, well, it's in the safe by law, um, but I think it, if it wasn't required by law, it would still be in the safe just for security and safety's uh, sake. And also because um, our insurance company requires it as well. We're dealing in an item that, that has value and that people have been known in history to, to steal. So we, we certainly take precautions to make sure that they don't. We have a lot of security um, um, precautions that we're required to, to take. We have cameras everywhere. Everything is, is being recorded all the time. We're inspected monthly by the Department of Health and the Metropolitan Police Department. And, uh, um, and when they come, they review the tapes. So they'll pick out uh, deliveries and purchases from the past month, and they'll want to take a look at, at what went on. So. Uh, um, they don't sit there and, 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 and watch us as we're talking casually now. Um, but if for some reason they pick this date and this time to look at the tapes, then they might see this interview and ask, ask us what it was all about. Um, and, and so that kind of security is required. We also have a security guard. Um, uh, they're all um, retired Metropolitan Police officers. And, uh, um, and our doors are always locked. So when a patient comes to the front door, they uh, they ring and they have to produce their medical marijuana card and their picture ID. And with that, the security guard at the door allows them access to the dispensary. Could be half the time uh, the people ringing the doorbell um, are not patients, but people who would, would like to be patients or tourists or visitors from overseas. But this is a program for residents only. So I noticed at the Tacoma Wellness Center, there's not a lot of pot paraphernalia and like reefer stuff. Um, it's very simple and classic. Can you talk a little about that sure. design choice? Our goal was to make a, to put together a dispensary that my parents would have felt comfortable going to. And we, we wanted to make it so that people who normally would not feel comfortable going into a dispensary, which is a, are a lot of people, and there's still a stigma and we wanted him to feel comfortable so we don't have any um, counterculture um, I guess that's an old term a counterculture um, the no paraphernalia we do sell um, vaporizers and papers and pipes and everything in the actual dispensary but we decided to have a, a whole different um, model and uh, for design and the Hamsa um, I have collected hamsas for about 30 years. I love hamsas. It's a symbol of a hand and it can be up it can be um, right side up or upside down. There's lots of artist renditions. Some of them have fish in them. Some of them have pomegranates. I'm looking at them. Some of them have flowers and there's often an eye in the middle and that is to keep out the evil eye. It's the hamsa is a sign of protection and healing and unity and health and well-being. So it just seemed to fit perfectly. So that's 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 our symbol and um we are very attached to it how did you get started wanting to open a pot dispensary 
I was born in Tacoma Park, and shortly my parents grew up around here. My father grew up a couple blocks away. And, but when I was young, he was diagnosed with MS, and um, he'd been ill for quite a long time before that. And he tried so many different things. I mean, he traveled all over, snake venom, all kinds of strange things, because none of the pharmaceuticals they had would help. And in the, in the 70s, um, one of his doctors suggested he try marijuana, and he was horrified. He had a, a teenage daughter. Um, it was the early 70s. He did not want to do this. But he eventually did, and it made a huge difference. And we, hold, we all saw that it really helped his muscle spasms and his nerve pain. And I essentially grew up from then on seeing the benefits and, and seeing how scared they were about My parents were very straight-laced, law-abiding people, and but it, uh, they saw that it really helped. And over the years, eventually my kids did too. Um, and we, we didn't tell them right away and then they found out and they saw how much it helped. So we were believers uh, for a long time from, from way back. Uh, um, my, my kids and uh, my sons and my daughter-in-law who were involved in the business uh, um, grew up with, uh, with a grandfather who, who, who used cannabis for, for health. Was there a particular moment when you decided, yes, this is the way I can contribute, this is what I want to do, is open a dispensary? Um, yeah, probably. Um, I went to the hearing um, at the D.C. Council hearing in February of 2010 when they first considered the law that would become the Medical Marijuana Act of uh, of 2010. And when I came home, I met with my wife and then we called a family meeting. And my husband suggested we open a medical marijuana dispensary and we all just stared at him like, what are you talking about? And then when he said, you know, the law has changed. We could do this right. We could, we could open a place that your parents should have been able to go to. And that just resonated with all of us. And that just changed everything. So that's, that's how we got into it. And I feel, I mean, we have their picture, um, their honeymoon picture up and we have their story up. And, and I know that they, they remember they'd be hysterical because they, they couldn't believe this is what we're doing. Uh, but they'd be really happy. So what went into that application process with the city? Well, we had to prove to them that uh, that we knew everything about medical cannabis, um, but more importantly than that, that we could succeed at business, that we had a location that would be zoned properly and acceptable to the neighbors, and uh, um, that we were people of good repute, and we had to pass background examinations and, and, and things like that. Did they make you take a drug test? Um, they didn't. They didn't make us take a drug test, but they did check to see that we have no drug convictions. We then had to actually show that we could do at least everything that we said that we could do um, in anticipation of opening. So um, we had to have this property when we applied. So from early in 2011, we had been to, we had been renting the site. Um, and then we had to turn it into the floor plan that we proposed. We had to install all the security. We had to get the safes. We had to do everything that we, we said we were going to do. And then all the parties um, from the health department and the and DCRA and the police department we came for a full day inspection. And we had to show them how we would do everything and that everything was here. And then we were approved to be able to open. And then... You know, in every state um, and jurisdiction, it's worked differently. And one of the things that they did differently here is that they didn't begin registering patients until a dispensary was registered. So then they first began registering patients. And then we first began to 
to find out what the market would be. Um, in yeah. our first week, we, they, we got three patients. And by the end of the first year, only 75. So it was a very long, slow process and uh, has, has continued to, to change and be made better. There, there are a lot of things that were, were flaws in the system that we've been able to, to change and others that we're still working on. So that's a big leap, leap of faith for a small business owner, right? Not it, knowing it, your customers or your products. Definitely is a is a giant leap of faith, and and all the extra um, hassles that come al- along with it because of uh, of legal problems uh, makes the leap even bigger. On the other hand, the one thing that we knew for sure was the importance and quality of the product. So it wasn't like. Um, we were putting something out there and then hoping other people would find that it was good. We knew that people were willing to break the law in order to be able to get this product. And if they could get it safely and legally, um, that would be even much better for them. So, um, so we weren't worried about that, um, but it's still been a, a challenge uh, connecting all the dots. Right. So how did you end up finding your first cultivators then? Um, well, there was really only one cultivator that would have medicine ready when we opened. And we purchased a little bit from them. They had four strains, and I think we bought a pound altogether, a quarter pound of each, and, and that lasted months. And, uh, um, and, and, and then eventually we got a little more from, from the two other cultivators. Um, in, the, in the beginning, and one of the reasons why, why cultivators didn't open quickly is that they were limited to uh, only growing 95 plants. And that's not a lot. One of the strange concepts in, um, in, in the marijuana world and in working with the government is that they constantly count plants. And the thing is, is anybody who's ever had a plant or seen a plant, not necessarily a cannabis plant, but any plant knows that there are small plants and there are large plants. And smaller plants have less of whatever it is they're growing than large. So just saying how many plants there are really is, is absurd. We got the city to, to increase that from 95 to, to 500 and then to 1,000. And now we're trying to get rid of the, 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 the number limit altogether. Most states don't face that, but that, that kept production down and, and prices high and, and, and the patient population low. Um, but there have been more cultivators opening with, uh, um, with uh, larger plants from the beginning. So we're overcoming that. So how did you get some of your first patients? Uh, patients registered to a dispensary. There were three dispensaries. Now there are five in the district, but a patient just can't go to anyone. They can only go to the dispensary to which they've registered. So when the first three patients that we got signed up for the program, saw their doctors, turned in the applications, they checked off on the form Tacoma Wellness Center and we were surprised when we got our first phone call from a patient saying, I'm here, where are you? So nowadays, do you advertise? Do people just hear about you through word of mouth? How do all these people hear about Tacoma Wellness Center first? All that and more. I mean, we advertise. Um, our patients and word of mouth are really important. Yesterday, we spent the day at the Capital Canna Show where we had a table and we were all there uh, meeting um, prospective patients and telling people about our program. Um, it's become important for us to, uh, to get out there and let people know that we're here and that we have a great product to be able to offer them. You've been listening to Jeffrey and Stephanie Kahn, the owners of one of Washington, D.C.'s first medical marijuana dispensaries. In a minute, 
You'll hear Jeffrey explain how an order of medicinal weed gets from one of DC's handful of licensed cultivators and into their patients' hands. Plus, Stephanie shows us how she calms nervous new patients at the Wellness Center. But first, a word from our sponsor. It takes courage to build a small business. Don't risk what you've worked so hard for. Protect your small business today with Hiscox. Hiscox offers a new way to buy small business insurance. They tailor their small business insurance coverage to fit your needs, allowing you to buy only what you need. Policies start at $22.50 per month. Plus, it's easy. You can order online or over the phone from a licensed advisor in minutes. Opening one of DC's first medical marijuana dispensaries may have been a particularly risky venture, but opening any small business comes with risks. Hiscox can keep you protected. Don't wait to purchase coverage for your small business. Visit hiscox.com today to learn more about their services and to get a free quote. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. Once you get an order in, what are the steps that happen for the product to get from either the farm or grow house here to the dispensary? Okay, so we have seven cultivation centers operating in the District of Columbia now. Either they'll call us and say, we've got three pounds of Blue Dream available, how much would you like? Or we'll know they have Blue Dream and we'll we'll call them and say, we need a pound of Blue Dream, how quickly can we get it? By law, the cultivators are required to then deliver to us and they have to have a licensed delivery service. It's sort of the same security people that we're, we're using as security guards. They come with the delivery, they come with two receipts and then we go over everything that's in the order, weighing it and comparing the weight to what they say it is, and all on camera, so that when the police and the and the health department come to inspect, they can see the whole thing done on camera, and then we'll lock it up in the safe. We have to enter it all to, into the system and make sure that it all matches up because we're gonna be, have to be able to show every gram that came in and where it came from, and every gram that goes out and where it goes. Um, and as long as everything matches up, which thank goodness it always does, then then we're okay. And and I suppose what they're looking for is any cannabis that ended up in somebody else's hands. So they've always been very concerned about diversion. So after we get everything into the system and make sure that it's all tracked properly, we have to enter batch numbers. And basically, the Department of Health wants to follow each plant and know who's getting what medicine from what plant. Because if, and we haven't seen any problem like this here in the district, if there should be something wrong with, with some of the medicine, if, if it had been diseased in some way or had some kind of condition or some kind of improper fertilizer had been used, the health department wants to make sure that they can recall it and recall it quickly and know exactly who has which medicine. So that if there was a recall for a certain batch of Blue Dream, we wouldn't have to worry about all the Blue Dream. We would just have to talk to the people who purchased that particular Blue Dream. And once we've made sure that all that's done, then we'll open the bags. We, we have to take a look at it all physically. Um, we have to be able to record for the Department of Health. And my, my son Josh does this smell, texture, all kinds of uh, our, our our physical reactions to the, the medicine. Um, and then we'll begin to prepare for sale. We'll, we'll put some in, in display cases so people can actually see it and smell it um, and then begin to package it up for sale. Do you see a future in D.C. where recreational marijuana is totally legal and maybe that's part of what you do? 
I think sooner or later, um, when Congress allows us, um, then it probably will be. Um, we still, we, we might, we've thought about it, but we also mainly want to stay with medical um, because even when it's adult use and it's recreational, there's a special place for medicinal because people need to learn about it. And I also think a lot of what people call recreational is also medicinal. I think people self-medicate a lot with for anxiety and pain. And I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I, I don't need medical. And But then if I don't use it, I'm really anxious. And I find that I don't want to, and then I need to go back on my antidepressants, anti-anxiety. And I find that it's really helpful for not doing that. Do you have concerns that any of your patients are sharing it with other people who are not licensed to be getting medical marijuana? Well, we explain it's against the law when they first come in. Um, we think the pricing, it's still above what you can get on the street. And I think that would be prohibitive, that they're not going to make any money by doing that. Can we do like a role play situation where I'm here and I've never tried pot before and I would like to get some information on it? Of course. So I'm really uncomfortable. I have no clue what to expect. You join the crowd. And we've had patients actually come in thinking we were a sting operation. We've had people who come in, they feel like they should wear dark glasses and big hats. But don't worry about it because we have people here from all walks of life. Relax and we're going to walk you through it. Um, I'm going to, I have a packet here that I explain. We have a welcome letter. We explain what our hours are. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the different strains and I'm going to tell you about how to use them because most people just think that you just smoke a joint. We recommend that our patients think about using vaporizer. When you say vaporizers, I know people of my generation um, often think of the kind of vaporizer when your child is sick and you put Vicks in a vaporizer and it goes out into the room. These are personal vaporizers. Research has found that when you smoke, when you light a match, um, it's actually 1700 degrees. And then you're inhaling all the products of combustion. And in fact, you're actually burning up your medicine. But they found that cannabis, when you heat it just to 400 degrees, releases its vapor. So you do not have to actually smoke. When you vaporize, you're inhaling the vapor, which has all of the cannabinoids in them because you're not burning them up. And you're not inhaling the toxins that come with actually burning something. So um, we suggest Vaping, we also have tinctures. So if you don't want to smoke at all, we have um, cannabis that's infused in either grain alcohol or glycerin, and that you can use a few drops under your tongue and you feel it almost immediately. And one thing about smoking, vaping, or using tinctures is that you can titrate your own dosage. So you just use a little tiny bit and see how you feel, and then use a little tiny bit more and see how you feel. And just go up very, very, very slowly. We don't suggest you start with edibles because edibles are difficult to actually titrate your dosage. You take an edible, you're not gonna feel it for about an hour. And then what many people do is they'll, they'll eat something and they'll say, and in 45 minutes, I don't feel anything. So I'm gonna eat the rest. And then that's too much. So it's much easier when you're either smoking, vaping, or using a tincture to feel and stop right away.
So I'll go over all those with you. Also, we'll talk about the side effects. And there's very few side effects. And many of the side effects are things that um, are helpful, particularly like the old story with the munchies. We have a number of patients who might have very um, decreased appetites, whether they're going through chemo. For people who are anorexic, it can improve, increase your appetite. There are other strains that don't increase your appetite as much. Um, so depending on how you feel, um, then we can tailor this and make suggestions for you. We, besides side effects, then we talk about what a cannabinoid is. THC is the one that's psychoactive. It's really helpful for nausea and vomiting, for muscle spasms, for muscle and joint pain. CBD, which is cannabidiol, is not psychoactive at all. And it's very, very helpful with seizures, anxiety, neuropathic pain, nerve pain, and um, as an anti-inflammatory. And then every time you come here, you're not going to be just thrown into the dispensary trying to looking at 40 different strains of cannabis thinking, what am I doing? <laughs> and so you're always going to have a patient consultant there who's going to be able to give you as much or as little information as you would like. For instance, um, that sativa strains are better for daytime and they help keep you more alert. And that indica strains are better for evening and insomnia and sleeping. We put little suns on all of our sativas, so when you look at them, you'll know that they are for daytime. We have little moons that we put on our strains for nighttime, and then we have a moon and a sun to show um, as a visual symbol that they're hybrids. And then we have a little sticker so you know when you get home what this is. So this is a lot of information and a lot of ways for me to ingest this, uh, but I, how do I know it's safe? I hear that it's not. Well, by buying medical cannabis, you know that this is, it's all tested and monitored by the Department of Health. And we can only purchase from the licensed legal growers in D.C., so it's not just off the street. So we have a much higher quality. And if you, if you are an older person, if you are someone who we call cannabis naive, don't do this at home alone. Okay, be with someone so that if you feel uncomfortable, um, you can, number one, you can stop, and, but that you're not alone. And, and you can always call us. Um, you have my personal email address, and I answer email really, really quickly. Or you can call us, and we will help you. Um, and anytime you have questions, just let us know. My friends don't smoke, and I think they're going to judge me. What, what do I tell them? Well, you don't have to tell them anything, number one. But if you do, you can say that there's, there's a lot of evidence that shows that it's very, very helpful um, for a variety of, of symptoms. And the stigma is really going away. I think more and more people who are highly functional individuals in all walks of life are saying, I've been doing this for years. And so many of our patients come in and say, thank God I don't have to go on the streets or be embarrassed anymore and feel safe. And this is just such a relief that I can essentially come out of the closet and say that this is this this is my preferred medicine. Thanks so much for having us here and for giving us so much information on this. It's our pleasure and our passion. And so we we really appreciate you coming out here and talking to us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. I'm Rachel Gross. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. You can email us at working at slate.com. And you can listen to all five seasons at slate.com slash working. This episode was produced by Mickey Capper. Our executive producer is Steve Lichtai, and the chief content officer of the Panoply Network is Andy Bowers.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.